There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Discover your inspiration to lead by hearing from those who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and leading others. We will learn about their unique leadership style and identify the shared qualities between those who do it tremendously well. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. This week's guest is great friend. He's kind of a de facto Jascot brother, I guess, if, if we look at the lineage down the line. Um, he, he's the dean of students and head coach of the varsity baseball program at Xavier High School here in Middletown, Connecticut. Uh, my great friend, Mr. Nick Serretta, Dean Serretta, what you want to call him. Um, but Nick, you know, so excited to have you on today. We've, uh, and we'll get into this as we get going with the episode, but we've shared a ton of time and space, talking leadership, delivering experience for students uh, at Xavier High School focused on leadership. So it's really great to have you on here today. And I know you're, know you're slammed. I know you're busy and I uh, really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to do it. So ladies and gentlemen, Nick Serretta leads with Empower. Nick, how the heck are you, my friend? Dan, uh, doing well, my friend. Thanks so much for having me on today. Um, I know we've been trying to get this on the books for a little while now, so uh, couldn't be more excited to uh, chat with you and go over stuff, um, what's going on in our current you know, world and everything else. Um, and I know you and I, like you said, have had great conversations over the years about leadership and just life in general, and I'm looking forward to just casually having a conversation with you today, too. Absolutely, Nick. And, and one of the things uh, that's great about in working with you is it's, it's, there's moments of talking about leadership, but a lot of times it's, it's the, the action of, 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 of teaching it to the students through experiential activities or through project-based learning. And, uh, you know, I definitely don't consider you a, a theorist only, right? You're, you're, you're somewhere out there that's practicing it and that's, yeah. it's great. And so it's, it's a big part of this podcast too, is to, you know, get our listeners in touch with people that are out there in the trenches doing it every day. And you qualify for that. Yep. Uh, you qualify for that for sure, Nick. No, I appreciate it. I mean, I'm more of a doer than a theorist anyhow, you know, so <laughs> I agree. Well, with you. you know, you mentioned that, but I, you know, I'm looking at your, uh, the information you send me and, and you're coming in with like uh 3.9 GPAs and stuff like that. So I got a little nervous. Are we oh be, yeah. I don't you know? believe what you read always. It may be true, but <laughs> that was my, my undergrad wasn't so good. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, Nick, like I said, thank you again. Uh, before we get going, we're we're still in the midst of this whole COVID nineteen situation. How uh, your health and safety? How we looking there? All good? Great. Yeah, all good. Uh, all's good. My family too. Everyone's doing well, so we're we've been blessed to have good health throughout the whole thing so far. Uh, that's good. And and to you know you and to obviously anybody listening right now, just make sure you're being safe out there and you know, taking advantage of the outdoor stuff as much as you can, but, you know, keeping those safe pra safety practices going so we can at some point end this thing uh, and get back to, get back to some sort of normalcy. I Absolutely. think we're all dying for it at this point. So most definitely we are. So you're the Dean of students here at Xavier high school and I'm, you know, familiar and I get to talk to you a lot and see you a lot. I'm familiar with that. Give our, our listeners a little, little bit of insight into 
some of the leadership responsibilities that are associated with being the dean of students at Xavier High School. It's a long list, but you don't have to go through all of them. But just a little bit of insight into kind of your day-to-day leadership responsibilities, Nick. I mean, basically, you know, I work with the kids primarily, which I love. You know, that's that's my focus. Um, and in this job, I mean, I've done this job. This is my 13th year in this job. And I think one of the best parts is, a few, well, a couple of things. You never know what you're going to do on any given day. You know, you can have an idea, but, you know, you come into the office and every day is a little different and, you know, things pop up. And so you're kind of putting out fires, you know, every day with kids or parents or teachers and things like that. But overall, my, I see my, my job, which I always call it my vocation, you know, being in the Catholic school um, sector and everything else, is to educate young men outside of the books, right? Outside of the academics. I want them to be good young men um, that live a moral life, uh, have a good moral code, make good decisions. And so that's really my biggest thing is I I want to help raise them to be good citizens, good brothers, uh, good sons, and then down the road, good husbands, good fathers, and and things like that. So I really take on the more experiential uh, piece and their, their more, their character piece and things like that. Um, and that, and you go about that, doing that in so many different ways, you know, every kid's different how you can get through to a kid and things like that. But for me, you know, I'm trying to help raise good young men um, here at Xavier. That's great. And it's, there's, it's a, that's a tricky quote unquote business because there's not necessarily a report card for that. Right. right. Um, So you touched on it, kind of handling each student, you know, individually, but under the umbrella of what that looks and sounds like based on the, you know, Xavier High School's mission and, and, uh, you know, their guiding principles. You touched on something right out of the gate here. So we'll, we'll, we'll get right into it. um, That every day is different and that you come into work with this plan of how the day is going to look and pretty quickly that changes from a, from a leadership standpoint, how do you manage that, that, I guess that, that, that part of the job where, Hey, I'm going to go in and this is my, this is my, these are my intentions for how the morning's going to go. And then how for the, you know, how the afternoon's going to go. And then, you know, pretty quickly it it, it changes based off of that. What are some tactics or strategies you implement for yourself personally to, to be able to perform in that environment. Cause it's not for right. everybody. No, it's not. And you're right. And it's, you gotta, you gotta prioritize like with anything as things start to come up, uh, you know, out of the blue, you gotta say, what do I need to tackle first? Um, you know, what's time sensitive, you know, who needs my attention, who needs my help right this second. Um, and, and that's a big thing. And the, the, uh, it's hard, you know, and I think experience gives you that too. Like, you know, doing the job now, I feel like I'm much better at it than I was five, 10, 13 years ago, because you got to just know, you know, what needs to be done and how to go about doing it. So, you know, it gets done in, in a good manner and everything else. So that, that prioritizing is, is key. Um, and just, you know, again, knowing, you know, who needs me right now the most and, yep. and where, 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 where do I need to go and, you know, and make sure I can be of assistance to this person right now. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, I'm always trying to figure out the science behind it, I guess, you know, <laughs> and I don't know if there is you know, completely, but as a leader, you know, you have to be able to think on your feet. You got to be able to, I always tell, and I know you and I have had this conversation. Um, 
I think uh, it's worse if you don't make any decision as a leader, right? Yeah. People get frustrated with leaders that don't make decisions. Rather, if you make one and it's wrong and then you learn from it. We always tell the kids that learn from your mistakes. Yeah. So I'm one that is decisive and we let's make a decision. And, you know, when it, we need a decision now, let's make it. And if it's wrong, it's wrong. But, you know, people get frustrated. I've come, I know I do too with, with, with leaders that don't make decisions. I think yep. that's worse. So, um, so I like to think that I'm, you know, prioritize and then decide this is what we're going to do and let's do it. Yep. And then when you have that moment to kind of catch your breath, there's the reflection, like you touched on reflection piece where if it, if it was a mistake, learn from it. And then we, from, from that experience, we Absolutely. get better as a leader the next time down the road, which is a, Look at you throwing, throwing out gems right out of the gate. Come on. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> if you don't make decisions, you can't learn, you know? Yep. So whether they're, they go right or wrong, you got to make them and you, you live with them and you fix the mistakes. I, that's how my philosophy is, whether it's right or wrong, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. And, and that's the, the whole thing with this, right, is, is everybody has the potential to lead, right? And, and it's what you do with that potential. It's how you find your authentic voice with that potential and those principles that you, uh, that your, your leadership is founded on, um, that, that's what dictates your, you know, your, your ability to do it and how well you can do it. So, um, it's, you know, everybody has a little bit of a different style, a different voice. Um, and it doesn't necessarily make one better than the other. So it's great to hear your thoughts right out of the gate, Nick. Thank you. Yeah, no, I make you're right about that, my friend. (laughs) there's been some time to reflect, right? You know, it's, we're, you know, towards the back end of June right here and you're a Xavier grad. I'm a Xavier grad. You've been there for a while. I, you know, I grew up at the place and the, the, the phrase, the Xavier community is something that is thrown around quite a bit by parents, students, alums, faculty, staff, administration. Um, you've had some time to reflect on the whole distance learning situation caused by the the COVID-19 pandemic and not being able to finish up the school year and you know no spring sports no graduation that type of stuff give us some some insight you know from the inner workings of a school community what were some of the challenges that the uh the the Xavier community faced during the the distance learning situation well, the first one that comes to mind is, I mean, you know, like you said, you, Xavier's been a part of your life ever since you were born. And we do have a community here. Uh, we are blessed. You know, I know a lot of people, a lot of schools or places or wherever will talk about community, but they don't live it. We do live it here. And we watch out for one another, kids to kids, kids to faculty, faculty to kids, you know, faculty to faculty. Um, we're a family you know, and families fight, families disagree, but at the end of the day, families love each other and take care of each other. And that's what the Xavier community is all about. So when you, now you throw in the the COVID situation, the distance learning, you lose that. I mean, I I was happy to hear as we went through it, um, people still felt connected to the community, which was awesome to hear, but it wasn't the same. You know, you're not able to have the events. You're not able to have that face-to-face contact. Um, and that and that hurt a lot of people. It hurt not just our seniors, who obviously they're the most talked about because they're losing out on all the special events this year, but it hurt the development of the younger kids who were, you know, even the freshmen who were just in some ways getting so accustomed and acclimated to the community. And yeah. so for them, the fourth quarter was going to be their probably their the most fun quarter than the best quarter. And then, you know, we faculty and staff were driven by seeing our students and seeing our colleagues. And so that's what was lost. But 
and we still had it, but it just wasn't to the same degree because we were, you know, constricted from seeing each other and having those events that really bring us together and, and um, you know, and share the love. But I, I am happy to say the community still survived and people were still blessed to have our, our daily reach outs from the campus ministry office, our morning prayer every day, um, some of the activities we had for our kids. So we did it to the best of our ability, but it's, you can't replace. And I think that's what we learned from this whole thing. You can't replace the face-to-face um, the human interactions that we had every day. Yeah. And that's been a common theme in any student I've talked to or any teacher administrator is it's, it's given everybody a, a renewed sense of appreciation for like passing Mr. Serena in the hallway in the morning and just being yeah. able to throw a wave up and, or, yeah. you know, put a hand on a shoulder and say, Hey, Mr. Serena, have a great day. <laughs> right. And you and you know, your father used to say it best. And I have to quote him because he would always tell our kids, you know, especially our seniors, when we gave our big Falcon, little Falcon workshop together at XLI, the power of a hello and yeah. how the simple words of, Hey, good morning. Or hi, how are you? how that would start his day off. You know, if he could walk, if he walked into school and nobody said hello to him by the time he got out of his car to his office, he was going to have a bad day. But if he walked from his car to his office and said hi to five people, he was going to have a good day. Yep. So this, the power of just a simple hello and that face-to-face stuff goes a long way. And yeah, some people realized it before, but I think much more of us now. Oh, it's uh, right realize. in your face now. <laughs> yeah, right in your face. Yeah, but how much you miss that stuff. It's not the same on Zoom or Google Classroom no, or no. Microsoft Team, whatever you know platform people are using. <laughs> I, I, you know me, I'm a hugger, so I just want to give hugs to people. I just want to be hugging people and yeah, and shaking hands, and you know that's who I am. So. And I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and correct you there a little bit too. You got a little Middletown in you. You're a, you're not only a hugger, you're a hugger with three four back slaps. You're one of those guys. Oh, Come on, sure. I love physical contact. You know, it's I'm Italian. You know, you, you know how it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's uh you know my my wife when we were first when we were first together would come to middletown and what's that noise and it was the sound of the hug and the, the three back slaps on a leather jacket or a sport coat or something like that <laughs> that's you right. know? the bro hug and stuff <laughs> that's right <yeah>. that's right <laughs> all right <laughs> um so you mentioned some of the challenges which i think are I think are shared, you know, across a lot of different uh, communities, whether it's at in a school or or in in the corporate world or on sports teams. What are again some time to reflect? What are some of the things that you are most proud about or impressed with with how the Xavier community handled this difficult situation? Hmm, good question. I, I think first and foremost was our ability to kind of jump right into it. Now with that being said, when you jump right into something, there's going to be kinks you have to work out, which I thought we did well too. So a lot of parents, you know, were complimentary, you know, we, you know, back in March, I think March 13th was our last day of classes. And then on, on that uh, Tuesday, uh, the 17th, we were up and running with some sort of virtual learning. So that, and some schools, you know, and again, some schools were at much more disadvantage than, than us, took a couple weeks to get yeah. their learning up and running. So I think the ability of our team here, administratively, faculty, staff, to all come together and get a product to our families as soon as possible, I think was great to, you know, and keep them educated but keep them connected too, right from the start throughout the whole, you know, rest of the year. Um, 
I also think, you know, we, we know we have a great staff here, uh, great faculty um, that are committed, but it proved to be a lot more work for the teachers uh, yeah. at home. And, you know, we didn't really couldn't you know fully anticipate that at the start, but our teachers were working 12, 14 hour days at the start. Not that that's healthy, but it was what was necessary to deliver a good product and to help our families. And they did it without complaining. Um, they did it with, you know, um, they were great soldiers and um, it, it really, you know, is a testament to their dedication to, to our families. And that continued all the way through. I mean, they yeah. even, you know, we were tossing around ideas about ending earlier and stuff like that, but our, our faculty even wanted to go to June 4th so our kids can get a good education, you know, this fourth quarter the best they could. And uh, that was a testament again to their dedication where they could have packed it in a week earlier, but they said, no, let's still stay the course. And I think we're delivering a good product and, um, so that first and foremost, that comes to mind, the willingness yeah. of everybody to band together, you know, under unfortunate circumstances. Yeah. We had talked about a month ago too, and you had mentioned how the, the faculty and staff there were just getting after it right out of the gate and doing, you know, doing everything in their power to serve the students to the best of their ability, even though knowing it probably wasn't going to be perfect. No, it wasn't going to yeah. be like the classroom setting, but it was a, you know, a way to kind of keep the ball moving forward towards the end of the school year. Absolutely. Admirable job by, by all, I, I will say. How, how hard or challenging was it to kind of stay? Because, you know, obviously you have students in the building and you have, you know, families, parents at home who are, you know, concerned about their students getting the Xavier education. How hard was it to stay in communication with the parents throughout? And um, were you guys able to kind of implement any feedback that you received, uh, you know, in a pretty efficient fashion? Yep. Um, communication was, was solid. I, I would say from the start again, you know, emails and phone calls and our communications department um, did a great job with weekly uh, emails to families. I mean, uh, from, I can only speak for myself from the parents and the students that I had interactions with. They were all very supportive. They all appreciated. They said, we're doing a great job. They were doing a great job communicating information to the families uh, in a timely manner. We appreciate being included. You know, we had town hall meetings uh, with parents uh, from members of the administration and staff that the parents enjoyed, appreciated us taking the time. So it, it went really well. Um, you know, from the, from the start and, and, and all the way through. We also did um, surveys. We surveyed our parents and our students uh, twice. Uh, the first survey was, I thought, off the charts, um, positive with yeah. what we were doing, both from the parent and the student perspective. We uh, did a uh, follow-up survey at the uh, probably mid-May, um, and, you know, it regressed a little bit, but I, I, that wasn't due to a lack of effort. It was just because people were getting more stressed because now they're in quarantine for two months rather than yeah, a month, yeah. you know. So I wasn't surprised that um, the numbers on the survey went down a little bit, you know, from the one we did in mid-May. Everybody was kind of hitting their breaking point, and we only had a couple weeks to school to go. So yeah. we were like, we'll get there and, and everything else. So, And I think there was a little bit of air that came out of the sales. I think students and teachers had a, a sliver of hope, like, hey, maybe – maybe we can get together for graduation or a week. And, and when that announcement came out uh, that it was officially closed, you know, the buildings are closed for the year. I think that takes a little bit of air, air out of the sales. They yeah. Back, yeah they, they, you no doubt they did hundred percent. That's, that's, <laughs> that's for sure. And understandably so, you know, so that's yeah. why you have to take, and you, you also look at, 
like I'll give you one quick statistic. Um, parents in that second survey were calling for more live lessons with teachers, right? Because yeah. they see that their kids need more of that social interaction with their classmates or teachers just face to face over the, um, you know, the video stuff, but students said they didn't want live classes. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, you got parents saying one and kids saying the other on the same topic, give two different answers. So again, but you know, the reasons for both the parents see something different than the students see and they see more live lessons as maybe more work, you know, so you have to interpret the data, you know, with open eyes and from different angles and stuff. And Let's be serious. So you give a high school student the opportunity to sleep until, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning, 12, you know, lunchtime. Uh, not many, not many are turning that down. He's going to take it. We probably would have too. So. A hundred percent. That's right. <laughs> uh, um, well, it's good to hear. And again, I think it's been a valuable lesson for a lot of people that, you know, the situation is very different and all that you can ask is you, you try to do your best and, you know, you, if there's a mistake, which there's going to be, you try to make it, you know, not be an earth shattering mistake and you learn from it and you try to get a little bit better the next day. And, um, you know, I, I will say I, you know, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it. These, you know, you mentioned early in our conversation, how you've gotten better from experience, right. As, as a Dean of students, these kids, you know, when all is said and done are going to have an experience that they can draw yeah. back on the next time they're faced with that adverse moment to say, you know what, did it once before, yep. I'm a little bit better prepared to handle it this second time around. Yeah, you, you know, you would like to think and again, you hope like I always tell our kids, life's not fair. We, we all hear that, you know, what are you going to do in the face of adversity? How are you going to work through that? Now, they've obviously have faced that their whole lives. This is something that no one's faced. And you would hope coming out of something like this that people are mentally stronger um, for, for the next 20, 30 years of their life, right? Yeah. And, you know, we always, again, go back to that, you know, guys, you're not always going to get what you want in life. So the seniors, right, they lost out on so much. Yeah, life's not fair, but life's not over. There's so much more yep. to, to be lived and so many more events to be had and experiences you're going to, you know, um, be involved with down the road that you haven't even had at all yet. So there's a lot of good left and you try to look at it that way. And I always tell our kids what, you know, doesn't, you know, kill us, makes us stronger, you yep. know, and yep. this is making, hopefully making us stronger as, as people, as a society, you know, in the long run and, and just that mental toughness we talk about, whether in sports or in school, you would hope that people are going to be mentally tougher after this, you know, when dust settles. And, yep. you know, if you can get through this, you can get through a lot of the other stuff that comes up that really isn't that stressful now, you know, in the grand scheme of things. So that's yeah. my hope, you know. Um, I, th I, I think I think they will. And, and you and you and I are both big advocates of the experiential you know, learning right. side of things. And, you know, it's one thing to talk about, you know, handling adversity and doing your best and trying hard. It's one thing to talk about those things in a class or in a conversation. It's another thing to live it and experience it and, and learn from it. I think, you know, they might not recognize it, you know, in the fall when school gets back going or whenever that is. But I think at some point down the road in their lives, they'll look back on it and say, you know what, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit better. I'm a little bit of a better man now. Yep because of that experience back in 2020, you know, yeah. winter and spring. So no, I agree with you. I mean, and even other examples, like, you know, from the sports world, you know, you always say play every game, like it's your last and you never know when it's going to be. And I think now you look at some of the seniors, right. That, that missed their season. 
they they would have played maybe differently, right? You know, as, yep. as juniors, if they knew that this was coming. So it gives new meaning to that too. I think when kids come back and they're going to say, wow, COVID took away my junior season, my sophomore season, you know, all right, now I'm playing next spring as a junior. I may not get one after that. Maybe it comes back. So I'm going to go out and play. So you'd think it changes their mindset where yep. this could be my last season, whether I'm a sophomore or junior right now, and I'm going to play it like it is. Yep. And that's good for people yep. to have that mindset to be always determined and always laser focused and, and committed. And you, and you hope that comes from it. No, I agree. We, we always say there's always something good, right. That comes from everything bad. I, I know I said it all the time. And even this thing is the worst thing, you know, we've seen in, you know, in our lifetime. Long time, yeah. Yep. Right. But at the end of the day, I know a lot of people are losing their lives and not trying to minimize that. But once we do get through it, you know, wow, we, we're, you gotta be stronger for it and you yep. gotta be wiser for it too. So. Agree. Agree. Uh, we're going to go a little rewind here. You're from Meriden, yeah. and you end up at Xavier High School as, as a student. We won't say the year. It was a long time ago. Not as long <laughs> as me, but it was a long time. A few less than you, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, how'd, how'd you end up at Xavier High School? Ah, uh, Great question. I'm glad you asked it because uh, it gets me to talk about my mother a little bit, who's been an influential person in my life. Um, so when I, I went to Our Lady of Mount Carmel for K-8, to Yep. And at the end of my eighth grade year, my mother says to me, you're going to Xavier. And I said, oh, okay. She goes, I'm, I pick your high school, you pick your college. And I'm like, all right. And, you know, back then, you didn't argue with your parents. You know, my mom was a single mom at that point. And um, she says this. So I said, okay. And then, <laughs> so I did it. And I, at first, I didn't like it. But um, obviously, by the time I became a junior and senior. I fell in love with Xavier and things like that. But yeah, she made me go and I had no choice, but I don't, I, I thank her every day. She yeah. worked three jobs to, to send me here. She worked, you know, 14 hours, you know, six, seven days a week uh, to pay tuition. And um, so I can never repay her for that. And I thank her every day for not allowing me to make that decision. Cause here I am as a 13, 14 year old kid. I would have said, no way I'm going to the easy route. My young, young and stupid, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she was a great parent. She said, yep. nope, you pick. And she did. She, she was true to her word. She picked here. And then the college process, she never, never stuck her nose into anything. You know, she would help if I needed it, but it was totally my decision where I wanted to go to college. You know, she had, it was, you know, a lot of parents now, you, you know, now working at a school, you hear and see some of the, you know, tough stories where parents want their kids to do something and they want to do something else or they want this school and the kids want that school or they make it. She's completely stayed out of that process and made it yeah. so easy for me. You know? And not only you, but your brother Chuck went to, you know, we were in the same graduating class. So he's yes. another Xavier guy as well. So yes. mom, uh, put, set, it, put in the work. Life. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. yep. And so, and yeah, again, she, she's a strong, strong lady. She still works to this day and I got to give her all the credit for me ending up here. Yep. Yeah. Tremendous individual for sure. That's uh much better than you are. That's, that's yeah, way that's better. Sure. Way better. Not even close. Not even the same. Not even a conversation. Yeah. And it's a, and it's the same thing on my end. So that's why I say that. Yeah, 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 a, it's true. <laughs> Product well, of great parents. That's so. right. That's right. What, what were some of the things you were involved in as a student at Xavier High School? If you can remember that far back. Yeah. So to be honest with you, my first two years didn't do much because of my home situation, because of my family life. Um, I wasn't, I had, didn't have the means to stay after school, get involved in stuff. I had to, take, I had to be what they always tell us 
And what we always tell the kids now, don't be an 815 to 230 student. I had to be that freshman, sophomore year, yeah. uh, which I didn't like, but it was the reality. I had family commitments. I had to do things at home. And I also just didn't have the means to, to stay here. So junior year rolled around. That's when I started, you know, once I got my license, I was yeah. able to now stay and get involved and hang out with kids and um, got involved um you know, with some, with some different clubs. Uh, I was in, in NHS, uh, not vice president of NHS. I was a peer minister senior year, which really, um, you know, was a great impact on who I became a, as, you know, an adult uh, and everything else. Um, you know, it, the intramurals and stuff like that, yeah. the different clubs. I don't remember all of them off the top of my head, but I was able to just really embrace Xavier my last two years and make connections with a lot more kids and a lot more faculty and staff that I yeah. still have relationships with to this day, which is, which is awesome. Um, does, does your experience not having the opportunity and the means to do some of that out of class stuff your first two years and then being able to get more involved does that help? Cause you know, you mentioned it earlier, every student's different. Every situation is different as a leader. Does that, does your personal experience help you connect with, Hey, you, you're pro you probably have kids in the building that are in the same boat where they can't do this for, a, you know, not yes. because they don't want to. Um, how do you, how do you leverage that your personal experience to kind of connect with those kids that might yeah. be in a similar boat right now. A hundred percent helps. I mean, I'm, you know me, I'm an open book. So I, I share a lot with my students and if it's going to help them, I have no problem sharing anything from my life with them, you know, that's going to help them. So the kids that are in the same boat, I, I tell them that, you know, and I, I'm straight up honest with them that, yeah, I didn't like it here my freshman year because of this or because of that, or I couldn't do this, but you, you stick it out. There's great things to come. And I know you're in a similar boat and trust me, you know, and you got to get them to trust you. And that's building that rapport, you know, over time. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, 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 my experiences here certainly have helped me junior year. Or their, I'm sorry, their junior year on their junior retreat. Um, I, I still involved in all the retreat programs here and I give my life story, my life's talk on junior retreat to uh, the juniors that go and I in some ways I wish I could give it to the entire class because it lets them know who I am you know they yeah. all see me as the, uh, the the disciplinarian the mean guy you know give, the guy they, they don't want to see <laughs> right and then you you ask any junior that after they go on junior retreat they get a different totally different perception of me and that's why I have a special relationship with seniors because not only are they more mature than they were as freshmen, but they, those, a lot of them know me, even the kids that don't go on there hear about it, you know, so that you get, you get kind of that street credit, you know, yep. by them talking about your speech to the other kids and they respect you more. I had a kid last year who I never really knew, but heard about kind of my life story and could relate to it and sought me out one day. Can I talk to you for a minute? And I'm like, sure. And we never really had a close connection at all. And he's like, I think your life, you're up, you know, your, your childhood was a lot like mine. And, I, and he starts telling me, I'm like, yeah, we have a lot of similarities. Yeah. And, you know, we had a great relationship the last two years, super close and everything. So, you know, we've all had our, you know, our experiences growing up, good and bad. And I, I, I share mine in order to help my students, you know, that may be going through the same thing. And, and you, you touched on it again, I think, in that answer, it, it, the importance of building that rapport, building those relationships, developing that trust, whether you're in a classroom, you know, six, seven periods a day, or, you know, in an office where you maybe don't see a kid unless they get into some sort of trouble, right? right? Um, 
you know, it's, it's still a huge part of your ability to effectively lead in, in any environment is the rapport, the relationship, yep. the trust, the open yep. book, the honesty is what really builds that stuff. And, and kids, we don't give kids enough credit. And I, I do now. I, I didn't used to, and I'll admit, I, you know, years ago I did it. <laughs> uh, but I do now, and people still, people don't, obviously. Kids are very perceptive. Yeah. And, you know, they are in tune. They can read a fake. They can read someone that's honest and that has their best interests at heart. And, hey, listen, I'm never – I don't want to be rich, famous, uh, wealthy, right? I'm never – but what pr I pride myself on, and I don't say this to be arrogant, and I, I preface it by that, it, it's actually very humbling. All the, the letters, the cards, the, the things you get from kids over the years that say, thanks for being a role model. Thanks for having a positive impact on my life. That comes from the rapport you build with them. Yeah. And that's what I enjoy doing. That tells me I'm, I'm doing God's work. I'm doing good stuff by these kids. Um, and that's all I need. And I save every letter, every card, everything I get, not because I'm, I, I'm like, Oh, look at how many I got compared because that's what keeps you going in this, in this line of work, you know, yeah. is that you have an impact on kids and they thank you for it. And it could be the smallest thing in the world. And I tell people that all the time. I tell new teachers, you doing something that takes 20 seconds or two minutes, you may never remember, but that kid will never forget. I've yeah. had kids four years later write me letters that and go back to something small I did from as a freshman or a sophomore that they never forgot, and it helped them so much. And that's what that's what it's all about. It's not a, it's not a pride thing or try a numbers game. It's I want to help kids. That's why I do what I do. What I do, you know. And the Zavarian brothers say it best and that's what this all comes back to is enduring personal relationships that's the hallmark of a Zavarian education you're not just a student you're not just a student here for four years you're a human being you're a person with a name that we're gonna welcome into our family now and forever yeah and that's what i fully embrace as a Zavarian catholic educator enduring personal relationship and that's what i try to do with many students as possible and that you know um and that's you, you do that in different ways with all of them and but you build them, you know, to trust you and respect you. And, and likewise, you do the same yep. with them. And that's, again, important aspect to do something well, regardless of what it is, it's got to be about more than the paycheck you get every couple of weeks. It's, it's got to be a passion and, yeah. and there's got to be something beyond the financial side that drives you to do it and do it well. And, and that, that shows Nick and in your interactions that I see. You know. Yeah. I'm a relationship guy like you, you know, I tell the I started telling the kids the last year or two, listen, you could take away anything you want from me, you know, strip me, whatever. Don't take away my relationships. Yeah. I love the relationships I have with friends, family, students, colleagues. That's what I'm blessed with. That's what yeah. I'm rich in relationships. And that's what I cherish and yeah. I value and I'll do anything for people. And I know they'll do anything for me. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's what I think matters in life, the relationships you build and the people you have. And, you know, cause all the other stuff is all like obviously materials and things like that, that you can do without, or you can't take with you. And, you know, it's the relationship piece that, that I value. And I try to get the kids to, to, to value that as well. And yeah, we'll get into, cause you're, you're involved in much more beyond the office that you sit in. So we'll get into some of that stuff as we get going here. Sure. Um, from Xavier, you go to Providence college and you mentioned that mom, you know, stayed out of that unless you needed help. What was it about Providence college that, that caught your eye that uh, was the motivating uh, factor? Right. 
<laughs> do you, do you have no, it's another great question because you're going to be shocked at the answer I give you. This is so. I always wanted to go to uh, college search starts. Um, Boston College was my number one. Um, Kevin Calkins, I know you remember yep. Kevin Calkins. He he came here when I was a senior. Him and I hit it off. Um, great mentor mentee relationship. Still a good friend to this day. Keep in touch with him and everything else. And he says to me, you know. Educate. He got me to go the education route. I always wanted to be a doctor. He got me into the education route. But then he's like Boston College. And I, I had good grades as a student here. You know, I started getting stuff in my transcript in my last couple of years. So he's like, all right, let's think about BC. He was a big BC guy. So that's all that was on my mind now. He took me up there. I had lunch with one of the people he knew, took a visit to campus. I'm going to Boston College. So um, I really only applied outside of that to Providence, Yukon, Stonehill, and a place down in Florida, Barry University, because my aunts lived down there. Yep. And so that was it. I got into Yukon, Stonehill, Providence, Barry. Um, and then the, the day comes, I got rejected from Boston College. So I'm like, all right, now what do I do? Because that was it. <laughs> so in a day, we live in a, a day now, an era now, where kids will visit 30 schools, 20 yeah. schools, they'll go multiple times, make sure the campus is the right fit, this, that, and the other, right? I went to Providence, never once stepping foot on that campus. Is the that first, right? Yep. The first time I went to Providence was my orientation in June. They had an overnight orientation and it was in the end of June. And that was the first time I stepped foot. So I made that decision without ever visiting, without ever really knowing anything about the school. I was just so disheartened that I didn't get into Boston College. I said, well, Providence College, I guess, is the next best on my list. And <laughs> But the, the funny thing about it, and this is where, you know, God, they always say works in mysterious ways. It was the best four years of my life. And I would not wish it any other way. I'm glad I went to Providence and not Boston College. But it's just the irony is I never stepped foot until I committed and then showed up for orientation. <laughs> yep. True story. True story. So you, you were the tourist uh, freshman yep. student. You had the exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> no clue. Never was on that campus until my orientation day. Yep. Never. Yeah, it was unbelievable. What would you study at Providence? I was an English secondary ed major. Okay. Uh, yep. That was my, and I almost had a minor in writing, believe it or not. I was close, but I didn't have enough credits. <laughs> uh, so the, the way that they designed it back then, I don't know how it is now. The English secondary ed was kind of like a double major because they made you take courses for English and made you take education courses. Yep. So it left very little room for any free electives. I think over the course of like my four years, I had like three free electives to, to pick from, you know, to oh, wow. at one point, because okay. you had so many requirements you had to take for, for both English and for secondary ed. So, and then within that, I was able to take a lot of um, writing courses. So I was close, but I couldn't squeeze it in at the end. Yeah. So, so you, you graduate from Providence College and you come right back home. Right back <laughs> home, yep. It's, yeah, you're right. September 2005, you start up at Xavier. What did you start in the teaching English? To, what, what, what have you taught? Yeah. Uh, what, what were some of the classes that you taught um, kind of over your, your teaching time at Xavier High School? So I was fortunate to get hired back here um, when I graduated. Like you said, I came in as an English teacher yep. and the assistant campus ministry director working with Andrea Hoisel um, as her assistant. So I taught four classes um, and then had uh, two periods in the campus ministry office, which I loved, which is the reason, one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to come back to Xavier to, to yep. be a part of that department. So I started off with our, uh, we had a verbal skills 
uh, class in the English department. It was for our, our college prep freshmen, sophomores. So they had three sections that I taught for the freshmen. They had one section for the sophomores. So that's, um, I, and it was great. I mean, those kids were fun. They, I, I still remember them to this day. I still see some of them from my first <laughs> year, keep in touch with, and I survived and it, it made me a, a better teacher. Um, no doubt. Uh, the, those first couple years. So I did that for two years and then the Dean of Students, um, uh, a job opened and uh, I was blessed to apply for that and, and get that position. And after that, which also I love here, all administrators still teach one class. Yeah. Um, it keeps us in the classroom. It's best 45 minutes of our day. A lot of times <laughs> kids. So over the years I, I taught freshman English, I subbed in religion, you know, when, when there was a need there. Um, and then I, I would say, you know, probably back in, you know, it was right around the time our relationship started with Empower that I started the leadership class yep. here. And that was a, a, an elective for seniors that I uh, created. And then most recently, I've kind of turned that into a coaching class that we've added to our PE department. I've uh, taught some health and gym. I was able to teach with your father, you know, up until he retired <laughs> for a couple of years, which was awesome. So we'll I've keep, done a little, yeah. We'll keep his remarks about your, your <laughs> yeah. phys ed teaching skills out of this podcast for your sake. Probably right? a good thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Learned a lot from him though. Could never be as good as he was, not even close, but. Was, I, marvel, yeah. I marvel that hand, and this is completely off the beaten path, but even as a kid, we, or, you know, when I'm in high school playing sports or college playing sports, thinking I'm, you know, I can you know, beat my dad. And then he, you play the guy in a game of horse. And as long as you stay inside the three point arc, he's beating you. Yeah. Yeah. You, and, and you're right. And he was, and he a, could, yeah. yeah. He could throw a football. He could do it all. And he was the best gym teacher I've ever seen. <laughs> His passion alone, mate. but just, yeah, it was great. So I've been around doing different things over the years, which is great. Cause you don't get, I think you'd be, I, I give credit to teachers that teach the same subject for 15, 20, 30 years. Cause yeah. sometimes you lose a little drive and passion for it. So I've been able to bounce around, which has been nice. Keeps it fresh for you. Yeah, absolutely. Now the, the Dean of students position from an outsider's view could be seen as like, why the hell would you leave teaching for that? Right. Cause you know, a lot of times the Dean of students is responsible for a kid gets fired out of class or a kid gets in trouble out of school or, Yep. kicked off of a team or you know whatever it is and it, it, it ends on your lap right what was the motivation like did you know that side of the job when you applied for the position and kind of what was your motivation to make the jump from kind of full-time classroom into that role yeah I did I mean I did to a degree um and for me it was a job I thought that better suited my skill set my talents you know I'm not I, I think I've learned I'm not a full-time teacher in the classroom five periods a day that's not my passion and I don't I just don't think my skill set is suited for that my you know again going back to that hands-on you know practical life lessons and teaching you know and how to be a good responsible young man that's what I'm suited for that's what yeah. I think I'm good at and I thought being in this job I could do that more and reach more kids, you know, I'm mean, you're dean students for grades nine through 12. So you can reach all kids in some capacity. And um, so, yeah, that's why I thought it would be more suited for, for what I was good at. Um, I've changed a lot over the years. Uh, I mean, from year one to year 13 is, is a 180, you know, <laughs> um, and I think you have to, but what, what I am proud of, I guess, is a lot of people, 
call the dean of students job dean of discipline in schools, you know, dean of men, dean of, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's dean of students. It's not just discipline. And I try to get people to understand that, teachers, you know, parents, students over the years. You know, I'm not just the bad guy that gives the detentions, the, the consequences, right? I want to teach life lessons. I want to mold kids. I want to help educate kids outside of the academic setting. And that's what I try to make that job. That's why I do coaching and retreats and the clubs and, and go to events because I want them to see. And they do. And, yeah. you know, my first year, yeah, I was a disciplinarian. You had to lay the law down, you know, before me. You know, there was nobody, the position was vacated for a year, and then there was turnover in the previous years, and the seniors had no consistency when I came into my job year one. So you had to lay down the discipline early on, but as you stay in the job, then it can morph into more reflect who I am. You know, yeah. and I think who I am comes out through my job. Yeah, I could be hard. I, I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to yell. I'm going to discipline you. But I'm also going to you know, give you a hug and wrap my arm around you and, and tell you I love you, too, you know, when you need that as well. So yeah. um, that's how I kind of the job has morphed, you know, over the years. So you're still teaching. The classroom's different. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely. Yep. I, I, it's you're 100 percent right. We got a bigger classroom. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's quite a bit yep. larger. <laughs> right. You know, which, which I love, you yep. know, I, I truly love that. Just thank goodness you don't have to take attendance every day. Right. <laughs> or create as many papers. Right. <laughs> um, so about, I don't know, you had about almost 10 years of kind of field experience, right. As a teacher in the campus ministry office and, um, you know, as uh, in the Dean of Students position and you went back to, for your master's degree at Central Connecticut State University, educational leadership, you finished up in, in 2014. Looking back on that, what was something that stuck out to you, valuable learning experience from your master's program that was an eye opener, was something that you never really thought about or did maybe prior to that experience, Nick? Ooh, that's a good one. It might have stumped me for the first time right now. Um, you know, I, I, I got to be honest and say I went into my master's reluctantly. You know, I, obviously I knew I had to do it. Uh, yeah. I was putting it off, you know, after I got out of college, I was putting it off for a while. Brother Brian, one of my former bosses, said, you got to do this. And I'm like, <laughs> I know, brother. So I appreciate him motivating me and kicking me in the butt to do it. Um, but I had no desire just because of the job I was in. I'm like, how am I going to get this done? I have no time. I, you know, I, I, you know, the work I put in here, I'm a workaholic. How am I going to fit this in? Um, so I went to Central, um, found the leadership program. And it was great. It was great just to be amongst other people who were going towards, you know, the same goals and, and, and hearing, you know, their philosophies, hearing the professors take. Um, and it was, it was, I felt like I was learning again, which, yep. you know, I think for a time I stopped in some ways, you know, we always say we're continually learning and we're always, and I think there was where I got kind of complacent, you know, up until I went into that. And so going into that, it was able to open my eyes up more as the, all right, there's more gray out there and everything's not so black and white in this day and age, you know, and we got to take each case, you know, for what it is. I'm, I'm big on like each case is its own case. I'm not yeah. a big precedent guy and, you know, say, well, we have to do this because of precedent and we did this last time with this kid or that th- situation. Everything's different. You know, I took a, a great course. What my favorite courses was um, 
and it's a little ironic so i'm in a catholic private school but it was like public <laughs> school law it was like yep. the law and it was so interesting to hear you know the different things out there you know that you can and can't do right or how you go about and it was just but the class discussions were really great and it led to so many great discussions in the class it was a lot of reading and i'm not a reader but it was a great class discussion based (laughs) when we got to the campus to talk about what we read and everything so i think it just it, it brought me back to open up my eyes that there's more out there there's more for me to learn and um I did it, you know, I definitely learned a lot, you know, and some people talk about their masters as, oh, it's just a money thing and everybody gets a 4.0 and you just go, but I, I was, I was enlightened in some ways that I hadn't been before. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Um, dean of students, it carries a ton of responsibilities. You coach a varsity uh, sport, the baseball program there. You, the two things I want to really focus on are one, the, the, the leadership slash coaching class that you, you've been a part of. And then about, you know, now, yeah, 10 years ago now, we, you, you and I with, with help from, you know, Joe Durang and, uh, and, and Brendan Donahue conceptualized the, the Empower Leadership Club at Xavier High School. And we do programming across all four years uh, with the students at Xavier. And you're heavily involved in that. And then obviously the leadership and the, co- yep. the coaching course is, why, what motivates you or what inspires you to be involved in, it's, it's non-traditional, I guess, education for the students. Tell yeah. us a little bit about those, the leadership course, the coaching course, and then your involvement with the Empower Leadership Program. And why are those, you know, important to you? Because you put so much time into them, so they have to be important to you, right? Yeah, um, and you know, we, I, like you, I, we, I love... I think leadership is so important and there's so many ways to teach it. Like you said, there's so many styles, this and that, but I want, we need more leaders, you know, and everyone's yeah, capable, but not everyone is going to be a leader. Unfortunately, you know, in some way, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you look at it. Um, And I think, these kids like you know at Xavier high school age are at a critical time where they always say these four years are going to kind of you know predict determine who you're going to be the rest of your life not that you're not going to change for better or for worse after high school but these are foundational years where you become and at least for me I know the person I am today I was a lot like that in high school, what I, my moral code, what I believed in, what I stood for, my, you know, taking initiative and hardworking. And I, I, w- I was that way, far from perfect, but I was that way in high school. And that's how I am now. So if we can get kids, you know, that get back to, you know, being honest and hardworking and respectful and loyal and committed and passionate, if we could start that molding process now that that's so key because it, it starts now or even before, yeah. you know, and there's not enough of it out there. And, 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 and some of what's out there too is, is not accurate. And there some places are, I'm not saying school, but are raising people to, to not be, you know, good people. And yeah. so I want to be able to do my part. I always tell kids, you know, don't think your voice can't change the lives of others. You know, yeah. you always say, oh, I'm only one person. Who am I? No, you, you got a voice. You can, whether you change one life, two lives, 10, a hundred, you can positively affect people. And I think, you know, what better avenue? We're at a school that educates the whole person to talk about leadership, you know, and make sure kids are, you know, know what's expected, you know, to be a, just a good person. We're all leaders, but 
in a way, you know, no matter if you have a title or not, you're still yeah. leading in some capacity like we always talk about. And I know I'm just, it, it's something I'm passionate about. It's something I love, you know, uh, talking and reading and studying and, and teaching now to others. And I just think it's so important in the world we live. I tell our kids, you know, Xavier's a safe place out there. You know, pre COVID, it's it's a different ball game. It's a tough world. You know, not even pre COVID, it's a tough world. Yeah. And um, you got to make good decisions if you want to, you know, be successful. If you want to maintain, you know, a good reputation, a high character. And I just want to be help be a part of that. You know, yep. to, to get them there. And we had talked. I and I, I vividly remember our our first couple, our first meeting at the little pizza place on South Main yeah. Street there with uh, right. Mr. Donahue and Joe uh, no, Durang. No but we all kind of had this same sentiment, like, you know, how math is taught at Xavier. It's very, it, it's plotted out and it's intentional. How, you know, English and literature is taught. It's intentional and science is intentional. And there wasn't really an, an intentional practice to teach what right. you just talked about. And that's, I think one of the va- things I value most about our, our work relationship um, is we, you know, we get to make it a little bit more intentional between kind of the big icebreaker day with the freshmen and the reflection day with the freshmen. And then the, the team building experience with the sophomores during that sophomore retreat, which brings me to my favorite program. And I, I run a hand, you know, we run a handful of overnight programs, the 24 hour intensive, which started off as probably your least favorite program. It, it, it was. <laughs> I thought you were nuts. <laughs> I asked you, we bring a tent. You said no tents, but I, I would still remember that. But yeah. So, you know, we have the, the, you know, about 20 to 20, you know, 20 to 30 juniors roughly who come out and sign up for this field experience. And, um, I guess we introduced Nick into the world of, of camping yes. in, in a more rustic format. We don't yes. rough it too hard, but come on. <laughs> hey, I'm not a camper. It never was. So for me, it was. <laughs> but, you know, and then, you know, those, those juniors kind of, that's their introduction to the leadership club there at Xavier. And then as seniors, they actually deliver yeah. a bunch of the experiences for the freshmen and sophomores, which I, you know, to me is, you know, we've talked about this over the years of running it. it you know, to see those seniors actually in front of students and actually leading and actually running activities and running reflection exercises, it's, it is so impressive. And it just, it validates the idea that if you set the bar high and you provide the right experiences and the right support and coaching, those kids will get up to that bar and, and, and a lot of times exceed it. And it's just a matter of the, you know, do they have the means to kind of learn about it and practice it and fail and succeed right. and learn from those failures and successes yeah. to develop those skills? And those, these kids, the seniors are, you know, when we get to interact with those guys and see them, you know, truly leading those other students that, you know, you leave at the end of those days and you're like, yep, we did, yep. you know, we, we were part work. of something really cool today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, and that junior program is phenomenal. Best. I mean, I love that. It, it is so awesome what you do with that group of kids that we bring out there and, you know, just seeing the transformation from that program to what they do junior year. And then what you were saying, what they do as seniors is it's an amazing thing um, to see how far they come in that year's time. And what something you don't maybe see as much after they graduate and I see still see some of the kids in that empowered leadership club and talk with, and I know what we did with them are 
still playing a role in their lives now they're out of college and have careers yeah. and that and that's what it's about it's not just only as seniors it's for the for the rest of their lives and i know they're putting the use and i and i they tell me sometimes you know what they learned through what we did and the leadership we taught them they're they're using now you oh know? it's great it's and, and i'm nowhere near as involved on a day-to-day basis there but if i you know stop by the school or if i'm at a game and you know I think at one of your baseball games, I ran into uh, the Brendan Buckley, who was a kid yeah. we had in the program yep. a few years ago. And, it, you know, like you said, good handshake, good hug. How's it going? And, um, you know, a kid who was, you know, three, three years removed from the experience still had great things to say about it. And right. uh, it's hard, though. It's the best part about it. It's in the moment to those guys. It's way out of their element. <laughs> it is. It is. It most certainly is. There's and no there's, doubt. there's legitimate fear. They get dropped off in the morning and the parents yeah. are hanging around and then they leave and the kids have that. Oh, it's starting. They shake down <laughs> and take all their stuff away. They're like, what? I got to leave less. Um, what did I sign up for? Right. What am I doing now? Yeah, no, it's true. No, it, it is a great, great experience. You guys. But, you know, for anybody that, you know, if you don't know Nick, just, you know, this is a guy who's, who's busy. He's at the building nonstop early in the morning, late nights, you know, dealing with some tough situations. And then, you know, for one weekend, every fall, he packs up the, he borrows the sleeping bag, (laughs) packs up the, uh, the, the once a year camping, uh, (laughs) set of gear. Yep. Once a year. uh, you know, knock on wood, we've had some great weather. It gets a little cold, but, you know, knock on wood, we've avoided any crazy rain. Yeah. Well, last year we had the freaking Triple E. Yes. It pushed us back into November. Into November. It got a little ch- – it was one of – we had to do a fire, so it was a little chillier. <laughs> Definitely. My favorite part from the overnights, and I had taught how to start a fire from scratch with just flint and magnesium. I taught that for probably two or three of the overnights, and – uh you know, and then those years, those first few years of the overnights, we had one of those fire starting logs. So right. the, the supervisors are allowed to cheat in the program a little bit <laughs> yeah. and light, you know, light our fire with one of those. And about year three or year four, I said, I think, Nick, I think I'm going to try to start the fire with the flint and magnesium. He goes, what the hell do you mean? You haven't, <laughs> you haven't ever done it before? You've been teaching it? I said, yeah. I <laughs> You hear, I thought you were Mr. Outdoorsman all the whole time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I a leadership true. lesson right there, you know. Yep. <laughs> if you teach it with enough confidence, you're, you're, <laughs> your students it. will yep. buy into it. You know? uh, yeah, you can... <laughs> I say awesome. that with some sarcasm that. there. So. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. Oh. Hey, so we're, we're on the home stretch right here, Nick. And again, Nick Serretta, Dean of Students at Xavier High School, and just a tremendous human being, a great friend, you know, as close to a family member without being a family member as somebody can get. Uh, doing a great job, Nick. Uh, people, and I'll, I'm going to limit you to two, two, a person or an experience that has really had a major impact on you as a leader. Oof. You got to limit me, huh? Yep. And why people or people or events, a, a person, an event or a pair of people or a pair of events that have had a major impact on you as a leader. Wow. That's tough, dude. That's tough. That's tough. I'll give you three. I'll give you three total. Three total. Yeah, I'm actually, I, I, you know, me in relationships, like I said, I value all my relationships. Hot seat. Um, <laughs> I know. And then you name people and then people listen to this, you know, <laughs> You didn't name them and everything else. 
I said, you know, you said earlier on you were decisive. But I, you know, I don't know if you're telling me the truth now here. Come on. Um, no, I just there's so many people and so many events that have formed my life. Um, you know that it's, I'll answer it, but it's just trying to process which ones. You know. Um, oh, damn straight, you're gonna answer it. You know, this yeah. is, uh, this is <laughs> just this is I, the show uh, right here. So I guess the, the um, I'll, I'll start with the event. Um, the event that that. I changed my life and it was for the better. Um, when my parents got divorced, okay. um, they got divorced or they, they separated when I was in end of my eighth grade year and okay. it was coming into high school, but they've been divorced now for uh, 25 years or, or more. Um, but my life changed so much after they divorced and I would not be here or doing half the things I, I have done if they never got divorced. And I hate to say that because, you know, nobody ever wants to see their parents divorce. But in this case, I, I think it w in the long run, it was a good thing, right? But it changed my path. I mean, I had, I mean, I opened up, as you know, a landscaping business yeah. that I had for nine years. And it was a legit business. Like it wasn't just throw a mower in the back of the car and go cut your neighbor's grasses. I mean, yeah. I was insured, licensed. I had over 50 accounts, did it all through college. Um, and, again, I had to do it because of, you know, I had to support, you know, my help support my mom and everything else. But that event there just launched me on a different path. And one that I have loved and have cherished and the people I've met and the things I've done. Um, but I never would have done nearly any of that if, if that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, so again, it goes back to every, there's something good that comes out of something bad. Like at the time when it first happened, yeah, it was sad and, and disappointing, but so much good I think has come out of that. Um, over yeah. the last, you know, 25 years, you know, for me and everything else. Um, you know, people, you, you're going to, you're going to know who I, I'm going to go to. I, I'm going to go to your father, your father, you know, who I wasn't close with as a student here. And I think it makes it even, you know, even more special for the last, you know, um, 15 plus years uh, was just, uh, um, has been a mainstay in my life, has been someone who, is Mr. Xavier, right? His whole life was dedicated to Xavier for over 40 years. And he took me under his wing, the, the, you know, um, the first day I got here. And the other person I was going to mention was Andrea Hoisel, yeah. um, who, you know, the three of us, when I first started working here, had a bond that, you know, your, um, her and your father were always very close, good friends for many years and family friends. Um, and they took me in and they taught me the Xavier way. Um, they mentored me. They told me when I was right and wrong and we, you know, would disagree, agree at times. And, but I learned so much about what it means to be an educator as a variant educator, what it means to be a, a good person, uh, how to treat people, uh, how to lead people. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, those two were so influential and still are to this day, you yeah. know, and now you know, here at Xavier, a lot of my mentors are, have gone, have retired or have found new jobs in the last five years. And it's been sad. It's been hard, but I, they've also left me with all of what they have, have taught me. And, you know, I wouldn't be anywhere without those people. Yeah, no, great answer. And, and knowing, obviously knowing my father and Andrea very well, I'm sure they didn't hesitate to tell you when you were off the mark. And Absolutely. I'm also sure, and this is, I think, a great lesson of leadership because those are, you know, I look up to my father, I look up to Andrea as two, two of the best. 
they also didn't hesitate to celebrate the moments of triumph. Right. And, you know, you know, kind of when you got to get somebody back in check, you do that. And when yep. you, when you celebrate, you do that, you do that well too. <laughs> and, they, and you're right. And they did it the right way. You know, they, they kept people, you know, they led people very well. I mean, both of them were directors for many years here. Your father, obviously the athletic director and Andrea is a campus minister campus ministry director and they led students and and parents and faculty for years and they you're right they weren't afraid to give a kick in the butt you know they weren't afraid to put your arm around you they weren't afraid to tell you when you're right wrong you know and they but they did it in a way where you respected them afterwards yep. Yep. you know and that's what people we don't have as many good leaders in our in our society you know they they, they rule by fear or they 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 get power hungry or they get you know those those two are the most humble people in the world and you know the way that they they led was a lot of the way that i lead now and, and but that i think is the right way i mean we could all say there's 18 right ways or to do something but they did it well and they and people respected them you know um and they did it for 30, 40 years, you know, yeah, so yep. life changes in 30, 40 years <laughs> and they still were able to adapt the times and still be effective as they were day one out of the gate. And you, you, you mentioned your mom earlier in the conversation. I know she's had a tremendous impact on you. Um, what's one thing that you, as an adult that you look back on, you know, maybe when your mom was tough on you as a younger one that you'd say, man, I'm really grateful she did this for me when I was in this, in, at this age. And, and now I'm kind of reaping the benefits of, of her doing that for you. I, I got, I actually got one. Um, you, uh, you know, my two biggest things with the kids are, you know, I call them rules, but they're really principles, honesty and respect. Yeah. And she, I get those from her, especially the honesty one. You know, I was a kid, I'm not going to, lie here i lied a lot you know when i was a kid growing up and it, it's not a redeeming quality at all and, and i was a bad liar i guess because she'd catch me every time you know <laughs> um, i i was not good at it and she would know every time i was lying about something and she'd call me out on it she would you know give me consequences teach me why it was wrong always and she broke me of it she yeah. broke me of my poor habit. And that's, and I, when I got here and I'm thinking, what do I want kids to walk away with? I preach honesty and respect. And she always, you know, uh, taught me indirectly, I think more about respect and the honesty. She was very direct on you, will be honest. <laughs> you will tell me the truth. You know, that was, don't ever lie to me or it'll be 10 times worth. But the respect she taught, you know, um, through how she lived and how she respected people how she respected her friends and family. And I just could see that. And I emulated that from how she did it. Um, so I would say, yeah, those, those two things are near and dear to me with my students, honesty and respect. They can tell me kids that graduated 15 years ago can still remember those two, but I really, you know, developed them from her and she yep. taught me those ways, which I'm, I'm forever grateful for. Yep. Absolutely. You mentioned earlier in the episode, how, when you first started as the Dean of Students versus where you currently are now, there's been some evolution. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes, that's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> what's, been the, what's been the biggest change in, in you as the Dean of Students from the beginning to where you are right now, Nick? Well, if you ask other people, they'll tell you that I've gone soft, that, uh, <laughs> that I'm no longer in the tough guy that I was in the disciplinarian. Um, but, and which 
it could be some truth to it, depending <laughs> on how you look at it. Um, I think I'm, I'm much more understanding. Um, like I go back to, you know, there's, it's not all black and white. Most, every kid's different. They need to be talked to differently, handled differently. Um, and at first I was just like, all right, you did this, you get this, you did that, you get that. This mm-hmm. is, you know, it's just, all right, move on to the next thing. Kind of follow the playbook. Yeah. Follow yeah. the playbook. Right. And, you know, and that's, I kind of thrown the playbook out over the years and now I'm taking each case differently. Everybody needs something different. Um, you know, there's no cookie cutter way, uh, to, you know, be a Dean of students. Um, you have to adapt, you have to, you know, know how to get through to kids and talk differently. And I tell teachers, you know, this is how you need to get through this kid. It may not be the way you want to do it, but this is the way it's going to be effective, you know, for them. So I think much more understanding. Um, and it's not all about the consequences. I was big on consequences, right? Yep. This is, it's about the lessons learned. Yep. And I always tell people, you know, yep, you, there's, you choose your actions in life. You never choose your consequences. And that's true. Um, so yeah, whatever you do, you can have a consequence, but at the end of the day, did you learn the lesson? you know, as to why not to do that. And that's requires follow-up with kids too, yeah. not just in that moment. I was very like, all right, here it is. Here's a consequence. Learn your lesson today and move on. No, you're not going to learn your lesson in that moment. It, emotions are too high. Right? Yep, yep. Everything else. So you got to have follow-up. So I find myself following up with kids much more a week, a month later. How you doing from that? How, where are we at? How far we've come? We put a plan in place a month ago when you got in trouble are we, did we reach our goals yet? And I think yep. there's a lot more of that. Um, you know, and I always tell parents, you know, parents and even kids, they all get hung up on the consequences. I'm like, but that doesn't make you learn. I use a stupid example. If you run a red light and, you know, cop pulls you over and gives you a ticket, that the ticket's your consequence, right? You ran a red light, you got the consequence. That doesn't mean you're not going to run a red light again because mm-hmm. of the ticket. But do you realize the lesson is if I run this red light, I could hurt somebody. I could hurt myself. You know, all, that's the the lesson there is you don't yeah. do this because you're putting other people in danger. And, you know, that is the what will make you not do it again. You yeah. know, I mean, some people have all the money in the world. So ah, I got a fine. I don't care. I'll pay that. I'm not going to learn. You know, but do you learn the lesson? The why not to do something? The why exactly the why. Yeah, the why is the and, critical part. Right. And that's where I focus on more. And have to follow up with because you're not going to, I learned, I always wanted kids to tell me what's the lesson learned right here, right now, right after they got in trouble. They're too emotional. They can't figure that that's out. A, just that's the get quickest out the way to get flipped off right there. Right. Like- they're crying. They're this or that, you know, they're bad at you. They're not going to, you know, so you got to just, at that time, give your consequence, but then it's the follow up to where you can really get those lessons yep. you know, taught out there. And just to, and I, I think this is implied but when you say you throw out the playbook, you know, I want to make sure the listeners understand that doesn't mean you just give up on the, like the principles and the, you know, at Xavier in particular, it's, you know, help these guys become, you know, help these boys become Xavier men who, you know, live to serve others and, and lead to serve others, et cetera. Um, what Nick's talking about there, it's not, you know, just kind of flying off the cuff all the time. He understands what the destination is. Right. And, but it, it's, it's, it's not a linear trip to the destination. And, you know, some kids are going to have to take a couple more detours or the route is going to look a little bit differently, but it's still with the end game in mind. And I think that's uh, well said, it's an implied lesson there, but it's an important and valuable lesson that you don't give up on your principles. You don't give up on your, you know, what you feel, what you value and what you feel is important, but you recognize that 
it's not an isolated, you did this wrong, here it is, see you later. Um, that works for 800 kids in a building. It's, this is what happened. This is the student or the students that were involved. These were some of the factors that were involved and how do we do the best possible job in that moment to make progress towards the end game for that student or those students. Yeah, you well said, my friend. That's exactly what I'm referring to. And, you you know, everybody has a different playbook, you know, and you got to be able to be open to all of them and and get yourself experienced with the different ways of how you can be effective with the different kids, you know. That's right. And and never losing sight of the why you're doing what you're doing. And and, and still at the heart, have your principles. Principles are always there. They're they're north guiding truths, you know. They're never going to steer in the wrong direction. Honesty, respect, all that. You can never do wrong by always being honest and being respectful. It's just how do we get there? How do we get a kid to get there? there yep that's great that's great last one here and you brought up uh andrea hoisel and and tj earlier a couple minutes ago and how that they're not in the building anymore but a lot of the lessons and the things that they taught you are still in the building with you this is something we talk a lot about with the seniors at xli and also with the empower leadership club about your your leadership legacy and what you leave behind when your physical presence is no longer in that building or with that team or in that office, what, what do you hope, what part of Nick Serretta do you hope kind of travels with the Xavier student when they move on from Xavier high school on to whether it be college or their early professional career when they're done with their four years at Xavier high school, what, what legacy do you hope to leave with the students that you interact with Nick? I, I would hope that, and I think in someone in my position too more so, I think they do realize this, that I, I would hope they would say I was a fair guy, uh, a loving, uh, caring human being, a good person, and that they go out and do those things, you know, and and take care of people out there. And that, and that at the end of the day, I just want kids to, to, to be good people, right? Grow up yeah. to be, like I said, good people. And if they, you know, I've been blessed to have so many of them tell me what a great role model, you know, I've been and, and how much they've learned from me. And I just hope they, they take that and they, they institute that in their lives for the next 30, 40, 50 years, you know, yeah. and become the, the, the good husbands and the, and the fathers and, and, and everything else down the road. Um, that, that, that's all I really look for. I just, you know, want people to hopefully, you know, remember me as a good person and that they, that they learn from a good person, these things to put into their, to their lives. And how, to, how to be a good person. Yeah. How to be good. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Hey, listen, like I said, I got plenty of faults. I'm far from perfect. You well, know, we all, we all do. <laughs> right. But at the end of the day, and your father always said it too. That's where I kind of get it from. He, I just want people to know that I was a nice guy and a good person and, and to be that. Yep. you know, and, and, and to role model that to the people they interact with and spread joy, right? We got so much, like we said, with so much going on in our world that's negative and violent, just spread joy, pay it forward, you know, do, do right, you know, um, by people and make their lives a little more enjoyable and, and easier and, and bring more love. You know, that that's, you know, that's where I'm at right now. And that's, yeah. And it's a challenge, like I said, go back to being a dean of students. People think, oh, you just got to do discipline. No, this is what we're doing. We want, you know, this is our future. These are our future generations, you know, and um, that's what I hope. You know, from all of my experiences with you, Nick, it doesn't surprise me that you get a, le- you know, a letter or you get the kid coming back and saying thank you. And, you know, one of our 
you know, guests earlier, it was uh, Sam Rector, a kid you, you cut from the baseball team, yeah, who, then, who then identified you as somebody he looks, he looks to yep. as, a, as a leader and appreciates as a leader. And, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to the authenticity, right? right? And, and you do they such know, a great right, job right. of showing those kids, even in those tough moments where you do have right. to come down on them pretty hard of showing them that, hey, there's a, it's not me yelling at you for the sake of yelling at you right now, or it's not me, you know, providing this, uh, you know, this uh, uh, repercussion for something just because, um, you know, there's a bigger reason and it's going to help you become the man that you could become. And, and, yeah. and Nick, I see that in everything that you do and appreciate everything that you do for those kids from the outsider's view and, you know, just really appreciate you coming on today to kind of give some insight into how that's done. Because, you know, even though being honest and being nice and being authentic, those aren't things that um, necessarily require a special academic or athletic ability. Right. Not everybody does them, and, right. but, the, but they are doable. They are right? doable. And uh, kind of, you know, I, I make up phrases and I, I coin those, the, the talentless skills, right? Yeah. It, it yeah. requires no special academic uh, prowess or athletic prowess, but, but, but it's a skill and not everybody yeah, does it, them and it, and it, it takes it, a special so, person to do somebody them Somebody well. I was blessed, I appreciate you saying I was blessed to have somebody tell me about a year ago that I have a high level of EQ emotional yep. intelligence and I you know I never really heard it that way you talk about the IQs right all your knowledge but we need people with high EQ with that emotional intelligence to, yep. t- and to take care of people and help people you know and it starts so. now for those you know students in high school middle school hey do like you said do something nice take 10 seconds out of your day to, yep. to say, someone, say hi to a kid who doesn't get, you know you don't normally say hi to or right check on somebody or you know, it's a small act to you. It could be a very, uh, it could be a very significant act to that other person. So it's not hard to do. Anybody can do it. A lot of people don't do it. And, but it's not hard to do really. At the end of the day, it's not hard to be a good person, but we got a lot of people who don't, unfortunately. Yep. I agree. I got to say though, Dan, you didn't ask me any baseball questions. I was hoping for a baseball question in there. I knew this would go on for a season. long time. I lost you know? my season this past year. Oh, man. <laughs> You'll be all right. You'll be all right. <laughs> We're, listen, people turn these off after like 60 minutes. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> you got to tell us a special two-hour edition, you know? <laughs> it's a series finale or something. <laughs> well, Nick, really appreciate you, brother. Really appreciate you coming on today. As always, it's always great to talk shop with you, and this did not disappoint. And I think it's going to turn into a great listen and um, just so much to offer. And, you know, maybe we'll have to come back for round two. Uh, maybe at the, I told I told the, you know, a month ago, give or take, Annie uh, from Mercy High School is on. I told her maybe we can do a dual podcast with the two Ooh, of you. Yeah, she, she would, she would uh, not win, you know. I'd probably be good, <laughs> I always yeah. tell her, you know, we're very super competitive, so I always tell her I win. But All I do yeah, know is that for, yeah, if that, we'll great. have to do a, a, a combo one. I think it'll be great at the start of the school year, especially to get an yeah. update as to how the Xavier and Mercy community Yeah, absolutely. She does a great job. It. She does a great job down at Mercy. You know, we're in the same role. Yeah, and she that's right. Job, so that's we'll to, we'll have to carve out probably three, four hours of time. Probably, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick, thank you, brother. It, it, absolute pleasure, my friend. Dan, uh, m- my pleasure as well. You know how much I love you. I, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity just to talk about uh, life and everything else and where we're at and where we're going. And um, I always enjoy our conversation. So uh, this was great. A lot of fun. So thank Peace. you again. Love you, kid. I uh, love you too, brother. And uh, the, the fourth Jascot brother. Nick Serretta leads with Empower. 
Nick, thank you so much. Be safe, be well. We'll catch you uh, next time on the Lead with Empower podcast. See you soon. Great leadership may look and sound different. However, there are common threads that connect all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead. They do that which brings out their best and the best in those around them. And they never take the easy way out because the exceptional will never come from easy.